Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Tim Fortier. He is the Managing Director at Portfolio Cafe, where his website is PortfolioCafe.com. Welcome to the show, Tim. Jordan, great to be on your show. Thank you. Just give us a brief bio of your experience in the investment world leading up to the formation of Portfolio Cafe. Um, I will condense that the best I can. So I've been involved in the investment industry um, professionally. It's the only thing I've ever done since leaving school, and um, which now goes back almost 30 years. And, um, you know, I got started kind of in a traditional way, working for a regional broker dealer. I was doing, um, you know, bond sales. And uh, I learned early in the process that the method to security selection was very random. And I will mention one of the things um, that I thought when I was going to go to school, I was going to be, you know, more in the sciences. I was thinking more like microbiology or molecular biology. I only mention that because it, it, I have this analytical side to me that's, you know, very, you know, more scientific in approach. And so, um, what I discovered about money management was that, you know, there's a lot of, um, absence of, real kind of call it scientific process, if you will. And so I had this, you know, desire to become or find a way that was more quantifiable, more of a, of a analytical approach to money management. So anyways, um, in the nineties, when I, I, I basically left the regional broker dealer, set up my own shop with an independent company and began kind of putting together not really realizing at the time that I was building a, a process and a system that I would eventually evolve into what I'm using today, but it was coming about and kind of in, in, in pieces. But databases were available back then or just becoming available online. And so you could, you know, screen up um, stocks, rank them, sort them through various financial metrics. And so that was kind of the early beginnings of, you know, using computers to um, build um, methods to, to select stocks. Then there was a book published in 1996 by um, James O'Shaughnessy, and it's um, What Works on Wall Street. And that was influential to me because what he shows in that book is that there are certain attributes of stocks called, you know, we call them factors today, but things like price to sales, price to dividend, and dividend yields and so on that have a, you know, there's enough evidence to suggest that if you weight those factors in your selection, that you tend to outperform the markets over time. And so, you know, so that was kind of an introduction to factor research. Um, and then I got interested in um, another online startup back at the days was the Dorsey Wright Asset Management. And they were using kind of traditional technical analysis, but also relative strength analysis. And one of the things I, I kind of took from that was the fact that risk could be quantified. You could define risk almost like you could describe the weather outside. That risk in the market was something other than this kind of more ambiguous idea. You could actually put some kind of measurement to it. 
And so I also kind of took from that the idea of like relative strength, which is that you, there's a way to rank securities based on performance that um, helps you decide where you should invest, but also just as importantly, where you should avoid investing. And so that kind of evolved. Um, so in 2001, I got hired as a CIO of a, of a family wealth office. And we were doing a lot of um, money management using these rules-based processes that I spent the last 10 years building. And that worked so well that we began getting requests for other firms to uh, for us to start managing money for them. And we ended up running three hedge funds that we did for our private clients. And uh, one day sitting in my office, I realized that um, while we were having success within our office practice, you know, I was having limited reach in the number of people, number of investors that I was helping. Of course, the market had just gone through the um, the 02, 03, you know, the tech bubble crash. A lot of investors yes. got hurt. I heard yes. a lot of, um, you know, disturbing stories. And, and we saw it in our office, people that were coming to us from other firms where they had been really financially hurt. Yeah. And so the idea was that, well, we needed to uh, distribute these ideas um, more broadly and let more people become aware that there were these rules-based processes we had developed that were based on academic research and we needed to find a way to communicate these better. So that was kind of the genesis of Portfolio Cafe, which was to become kind of a bridge between the academic research that we were building our models on and the practical, easy application of using them that we could make, you know, available for every investor. So you didn't have to be an institution or a hedge fund to run these kind of strategies. So that's kind of evolved now over the last, you know, 10, 15 years to where we've built, you know, more sophisticated models. And, you know, we've now used those for a whole variety of different uh, applications. But that's okay. kind of how, how we, how we they, got here. How have they, uh, you call each... It's a portfolio, you call it. They're specialized portfolios. How have they performed against the benchmarks that you uh, use against them? They perform very well. In fact, I think that um, what's kind of remarkable is that, you know, our um, one of our, our lines in our company is earn more, risk less. And <clears throat> I think that um, if we look at performance, not only do we earn, um, you know, certainly more than the benchmark, but we do so with substantially less risk. And yeah. to me, risk management is the most critical part of money management. I mean, if you look at, you know, the hallmark of successful long-term investors um, who are profitable, um, they have learned um, the importance of protecting capital from permanent loss. And I think so much of the money management business today has been focused on just the return part of the equation. But mathematically, you have to focus on downside risk management. Um, so, so what are some of the specific things you do to uh, you know, lower the risk of the portfolio? Well, one of the things we do is we build into our models. And I'll define a model real quickly. A model is just a set of securities delivered as you know, the final solution. So instead of you know, recommending, say, XYZ security, we would probably have a package or a unit of securities that represents whatever attributes that we're screening and ranking. So it might be two or three securities. It might be 15 to 20. That's, that's usually how they're put together. Um, but the, what we can do is we can build in rules that will automatically limit downside risk. 
And that's just so important because mathematically, um, it's very difficult for investors to recover from large losses. You know, a 20% loss requires a 25% increase to recoup just just back to even. If you're down 50%, as some, you know, as we saw back in 2008, it now takes a 100% return. So Not what, to what are some of the rules? What, what are some of the rules that you used to use? Yeah. Recently, had the stock market falling pretty sharply. Yeah. So, uh, what are some of the rules that kicked in as the stock market's been falling? Yeah, and, and it's actually very timely to be talking right now about this because if we look at our models, um, our models have become um, defensive um, over the last several months. And it's again, it's an automatic process that once we've got this programmed in, um, it does it for us. We don't have to think about it. And so there's different ways we can build in this automatic downside protection. But one way would be um, a simple moving average kind of system. You know, if we look around the globe this morning, Jordan, there are very few markets that are trading above their long-term moving average. And we could define a moving average as, say, the month, the monthly close or the, you know, the eight-month smooth average of closing price of a market. And so if we look around the globe today, there's very, very few markets that are actually um, in positive trend. Another way we can do... When you see that, do you go to cash? Or what do you do that's defensive when you see... Yeah, so I mean the most basic, simple system that every investor could follow would be just have a simple rule that would basically say that if... A given market, um, you can just fill in the blank. It could be U.S. stocks, it could be international stocks, it could be gold, emerging markets, whatever. If that market, usually defined as a security, so it could be an ETF or individual you know, stock or, or what have you. But if that were to close the month below a specified moving average, you go to cash. It's that simple. And so what's... The beautiful thing about having rules like this is that they're consistent. You know, it's a it's a very consistent process that never has a bad day. It never goes on vacation. It never, you know, um, uh, judges the odds incorrectly. It just, it is what it is. And it's always in place. And so there's no emotion. And that, too, is one of the things that um, often hinders investor success is because we have all of these, you know, emotional interferences. I mean, the, the, you know, they call them cognitive biases, but we have a lot of ways in which we sabotage ourselves. So the advantage of using rules is that we can avoid um, having to get our emotions in the way of, of managing our, our portfolios. But back to other... Yeah, other right, the, the two biggest emotions being greed and fear, which... which uh, yeah, and, and there's all kinds of uh, other, you know, variants of that. I mean, we tend to um, extrapolate the current well into the future. Um, we anchor on the current or we anchor on things that we think we know. And those all get in the way. So we miss turning points or they prevent us, they blind us from seeing potential of, um, you know, market turning points. And, of course, that can be very damaging in the long run. But I'll give you another example, too, of what we can use. We can actually measure, um, on an absolute term, the performance of a security 
And we can say, compare that to a riskless rate of return. And this is something that we actually do. So we can have a basket of securities and we can measure their performance over the last, you know, three months, six months, 10 months, um, you know, just various periods of time. And then we can make that comparison to what a riskless, you know, a risk-free rate of return would be. So we could use a money market return today, which might be in the, you know, one to 2% range. Yeah. Um, and so if our trailing return on our um, securities that we're interested in is less than the risk-free rate of return, then that too can become a rule for, you know, going to cash. In practice, we actually combine this with another thing. We look at volatility. So we not only do we look at the trailing returns over multiple time periods, but we also compare that with the volatility that's being displayed by a security. And what that does for us is it allows us to almost demand that we're being compensated enough for the risk. So if yes. we have a security that's highly volatile, there's obviously a greater variance of potential returns. So a highly volatile security or one that is you know, more volatile will demand a higher return. Otherwise, you know, it will get ranked a lot less or Very lower good. in our spectrum. So, so we can always be doing those kind of, and again, this is just, at the end of the day, this is just a mathematical formula yes. that we're using. But it's emotionless. And here's what's kind of interesting. If we were to Tim, look at- We have to take a break. I'm, I'm going to come right back to you after this. Sorry about that. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this half hour is Tim Fortier. Uh, he is the managing director at Portfolio Cafe. You can find out more at PortfolioCafe.com. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Looking for an investment option? Consider Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. Secured Real Estate Income Strategies is a real estate-backed option offering investments with a monthly income objective. The goal of the strategy is to lend money to real estate developers. SREIS offers an 8% preferred return per annum, plus a share in any profits. While there is risk, including loss of capital, and you should carefully read the offering circular for full details, 
Secured Real Estate Income Strategies screens each real estate loan carefully. Call 888-444-2102 or visit securedrealestatefunds.com to learn more. 888-444-2102. Jordan Goodman is an advisor to and part owner in Secured Real Estate Income Strategies. This does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities. Securities offered through North Capital Private Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Tim Fortier. He is the Managing Director at Portfolio Cafe. Um, and his email his website is portfoliocafe.com. Welcome back to the show, Tim. Thanks, Jordan. I want to tell people you, you talk about this rules based investing, kind of getting the emotion out of it. So let's get into Portfolio Cafe specifically. Uh, what does it take to get started? What is the minimum investment? And then we'll get into some of the specific portfolios that you offer. Well, Portfolio Cafe was originally designed for the do it yourself investor. Um, interesting enough, along the way, we had a number of financial advisors also hop on the site and began actually using the models for their own, you know, client practices. But, um, you know, the models, it can be kind of broken down into really two major areas. We have, um, you know, ETFs have become very popular, um, one of the fastest growing, um, segments in the financial product, you know, financial service area. And then we have, um, stock based models. The ETF models are more thematically designed around um, either like sector, style, emerging markets, um, developed countries, those kind of themes. We also have um, we have our flagship um, portfolio, which is uh, Keystone, and it is designed as a total portfolio solution. It gives you. It's really, it's, it's actually a model of models. There's eight separate models running within this um, overall model. And yep. so you're getting exposure in that to basically all the asset classes. So if you don't uh, want to do it yourself, can yeah. you turn the money over to you and have you run the portfolio? Well, we actually have, um, so we have a separate company called Drawbridge, which actually owns the IP to all of the models that Portfolio Cafe uses. And Drawbridge... Um, has um, licensed the use of the IP to select financial advisors uh, that we can put people in touch with who are familiar with the models and who use the models presently in their practice today. I see. So, um, you have to go through an investment advisor. You can't do it directly with um, uh, Portfolio Cafe then? No, Portfolio Cafe itself is a, is a uh, newsletter um, information service. And then we have another company called Drawbridge Wealth, which is the um, actual um, RIA um, part of the uh, company. So if but you, it's a separate if, company. If you subscribe to Portfolio Cafe, you're going to get buys and sells all the time within each portfolio. Is that the way it works? 
Yeah, so the ETF models um, basically um, update once a month. So it takes probably 15 minutes per month to update your portfolio. Um, sometimes there's no change at all. It's literally as quick as being able to log into the system, see what the current month's recommendations are, and then go on about your life. And that's kind of what it was designed for, to be super it's simple. not changing that much then, yes. No, and the stock models actually run on a weekly cycle. Um, that does not necessarily mean that there's new trades every single week, but it's just the cadence of the model and the rebalancing software that we use and the data that we're, that we're scrubbing and, and ranking. Let's just talk about some of the ETF models you have. One of them is called Sleep Easy. Uh, what, do you, mm -hmm. what goes on in the Sleep Easy model? Sleep Easy was one of the very first models I developed, and um, I was tr really trying to come up with something that would be kind of all-purpose, all-season for a smaller investor um, that would work th well through most types of markets. And so the kind of the concept behind that is to put together a basket of non-correlated um, ETFs, and by non-correlation, I mean, you know, they would, would tend to perform differently in different parts of the market cycle. So we have a lot of the obvious choices. We have um, U.S. stocks and we have bonds, but we also have emerging markets and we have gold. And we also have in there, though, inverse. And so we have um, ETFs that can perform well during declines in the market. And so so that was you know one of the early models that we've done. Um Another one you have is called Explorer. What what is an Explorer? Explorer is um, our take on um, emerging markets. And you know, asked you asked about do our models perform above the benchmark? That has performed way above the benchmark um, because of its emphasis on risk management. If you look at emerging markets post two thousand seven eight, you know it's been a pretty dismal asset class. Um, pretty you know lots of ups and downs, yes. but not a lot of progress. This has kind of consistently moved forward. And the way we do that is we dive deep. So instead of just buying emerging markets as a whole, um, we can use um, like iShares, which gives you the advantage of going country by country. And so we can we can find some excess performance by identifying those specific countries that are actually working. I mean, it's, it's not often like every comp every country is performing poorly. So again, if we can rank them and find out what is working and avoid what isn't working then we're going to do better than the average. It's that uh -huh. simple. And then you also have U.S. sector rotation. What, what goes on on that one? Yeah, sector rotation is probably one of the more classical methods of um, finding alpha in the, um, against the, the market. And so we're looking among U.S. sectors and industries, the idea being that at different parts of the economy, the cycle, that um, different industries perform better. And for example, if you look at the last year, um, you know, there's a heavy emphasis on technology as technology was kind of leading the market. Yeah. That has rotated to more um, more defensive parts of the market. So like consumer staples or, you know, low volatility, things like healthcare as well. So there's a constant rotation among leadership in the market. What this strategy does, it helps you identify what's leading the market. And again, it's also keeping you out of what's, you know, dragging the market averages down. And so it's keeping you kind of in the, in the, you know, winning part of the markets, but so it does case, have it did always work, the, for the ability to go into defense. In, in this case, you did get out of technology before it fell and you got into the defensive sectors before they rose. Is that what happened this yeah, year? Yeah, we're actually seeing kind of a massive exodus from um, the higher beta, 
you know, we saw it first, um, Jordan, the summer in, you know, the, as the FANG stocks, your, your um, Amazon, your Netflix, your Facebook started rolling over. Yeah. And, and that kind of um, uh, expanded into more of the, of the technology names. And so I think the beneficiary of that capital, because the capital among institutions has to go somewhere, um, we're seeing a lot of that now flowing into things like the XLP, which is your consumer um, staples um, yes. ETF. And one of your other ETF portfolios is Cornerstone Income. Is that mostly bonds, or what do you do in, in that? Yeah, that's actually one of our newer um, tactical strategies that addresses the needs of um, fixed income investors. Um, and it's designed as more of a, of a portfolio solution. Um, but the idea behind it is this. You know, we've had a tremendous run in the credit markets from 1982 to recent, you know, rates fell from 14% to 1.5%. And that yep. provided an incredible tailwind to anyone investing in fixed income. However, going forward, we know rates aren't going to fall by 14%. That's impossible. And we think that, you know, because of the amount of leverage now in the system, because we have the, the potential, um, and in fact, we've actually seen rates go, the 10 years gone from 1.85 to, you know, 320 um, you know, over the last, you know, year. Um, so with rates rising and the amount of leverage in the system, you know, I think that investors will need a different approach than what's worked for the last 30 years. And so this is kind of our answer. Um, so this is a tactical way of, again, ranking different kinds of securities. So whether it be treasuries, corporates, um, high yields, um, preferreds, dividend paying stocks, you know, at any given time, um, you know, those are going to be, um, um, you know, performing, you know, better than other parts of the credit market. So it's a way of this, you know, staying, again, in sync with what's working in the market and kind of avoiding what's not. But again, as important, it'll also keep investors defensively protected so that um, if we have a very adverse climate for fixed income securities, you know, you'll be safely tucked into um, short-term treasuries or even money markets. Yeah. That and then within the stock portfolios, you have several of them. One of them is called dividend aristocrats. So what kind of uh, individual stocks is that in? That's focusing on um, high-quality Dow-like stocks, um, looking for um, uh, increase. I think going forward, if we're in a in rising interest rate environment, it's not only the dividend yield that's important, but it's also going to be the ability of that company to increase dividends. So the rate of dividend growth is very important. Um, that will help insulate um, investors um, from a rising rate environment. So it's looking for high quality companies that have increased dividends for, you know, 10 plus consecutive years. And we have some other factors in there that are kind of um, value bent. And we also, of course, will, will um, have rules to help protect the portfolio from market declines. We don't have time to all of them, but some of the other stock portfolios you've got are small cap rockets, large cap high yield, defensive utilities, dividend value. Why would one want to do these stock portfolios over the ETFs or vice versa? You know, I think they serve kind of different purposes. I look at it from the viewpoint that um, we take a, a model like our flagship Keystone strategy. That's a great anchor in a portfolio. Um, it serves as a good foundational kind of core um, it would be a way of looking at it. And you're going to get a pretty consistent return stream 
um, with good downside risk management within that portfolio. You would want to go to some of the stock models if you want to build, we think of them as satellites, but opportunities to earn um, higher return, but take a little more you know, volatility um, with that. Um, so it's, it's an opportunity to get you know, a higher return within you know, certain um, subsets of the market. Very good. Well, terrific. Well, we've got a good sense now. Uh, if people want to find out more about these different portfolios, they can go to PortfolioCafe.com. Uh, Tim, I think you've given people some really good ideas to get emotion out of the very emotion-filled stock market all the time. So thank you yeah. very much for thank being you. a guest on The Money Answer Show. Again, you can find out more at Tim Fortier's website, PortfolioCafe.com. We'll be back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Terry White. He is the president and CEO of SunWest Trust. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you, Jordan. I'm looking forward to talking to you. 
Just tell us briefly about SunWest Trust and what services you offer. Well, basically, uh, SunWest Trust is a New Mexico trust company, and um, the only thing we do with our trust license is we we act as custodian for self-directed IRAs. So we let people invest their individual retirement account in anything other than life insurance and collectibles. So what is the advantage of doing a self-directed IRA compared to a traditional IRA? Well, there's not, I don't know that there's really an advantage. It just gives you some greater options. Jordan, if there are people out there that um, are know how to invest and have some um, experience in investing in things other than stocks, bonds, mutual funds, they can do that through a self-directed IRA. And we have people investing in real estate, precious metals, private companies, um, just anything. The only thing the IRS will not allow you to invest in is life insurance and collectibles. So it leaves it wide open. Um, and the nice thing is a lot of times the thing I like about it is a lot of times if someone owns a piece of real estate or something in their IRA, it's a, it's a tangible asset that they can drive by and look at. So it's, to me, it's a better feeling than saying I own a piece of a, you know, of a big company that I'll probably never, never even see one of their locations. So let's go through specifically some of the particular assets and, and why you'd want to buy that in a self-directed IRA. The first one would be a single-member limited liability company. So actually owning a small business inside your self-directed IRA. Why would one want to do that? Well, the, the major overall reason that anyone would want to own anything in a self-directed IRA is the fact that it can be the gains or the income from that asset can be either tax-deferred or tax-free, depending on what kind of um, IRA they have, a traditional or a Roth. So the actual investment itself, um, to me, isn't as important as the fact that the income that you can produce from that is going to be tax-free or tax-deferred. Yeah. Does that make Another sense? thing is, yes, uh, private offerings. So describe what, what that would mean. This is a private stock that's separate from an LLC. How, how would that work? How would you put one of those in a self-directed IRA? Well, it's, it's very simple. And what that, what that would be is like if you have a friend or a neighbor that's starting a business that maybe is trying to raise money to do that, or even a bigger business than that, you may have some connections with people that you know, you could get in on the ground floor. We have quite a few clients that, you know, are invested in companies that they eventually hope will become public. But before they become public, um, you're not able to invest in those through your normal IRA channels, like your normal brokerage houses and stuff, because they're not on the market. So um, a self-directed IRA gives you the ability to do that. And so if they would then go public in the future, you'd have a huge gain that would be tax-deferred or tax-free holding it in the IRA as opposed to not. Yes, hopefully hopefully it would be worth a lot more when they finally went public. And, and yeah, if you had that in a Roth account, which is the, really the exciting thing, is that could, that could be tax-free income. Another area is crowdfunding. Maybe describe what crowdfunding is and how that would be uh, put in a self-directed IRA. Well, you know, crowdfunding was a huge thing a few years ago when it first came out. I don't think it's quite as big as it as it or it didn't turn out to be as big as they thought it was going to be. Um, frankly, the problem with crowdfunding in a self-directed IRA, in my opinion, 
is that the amounts that you can invest in different companies is so limited. I think I think the maximum amount you can invest in a year is like twenty five hundred dollars or something. So um, that could work for. So I mean, you could definitely invest in crowdfunding with your IRA. Um, it's just that I don't know that the the small amounts makes it worthwhile because most. Not most. Every self-directed IRA custodian charges a fee for the service. So if you're only able to invest a small amount of money, the fee that you have to pay the custodian could be uh, larger than the profits you might make on something that small. While we're talking about it, what are the fees, the custodial fees for keeping an account at SunWest Trust? Well, at SunWest, we're probably the only company out there that just charges an, a flat annual fee. So we charge $275 or $275 a year. We charge $50 to set up an account and then $275 a year regardless of what you have in your account. So um, it's 275 if you have a $30,000 account or if you have a million-dollar account um, because we feel like it's the same amount of work, either one. And then we charge a fee for making the investment, but it's like a $10 uh, fee to write a check. So it's reasonably, you know, it's fairly reasonable. And the nice thing about it is you know every year what it's going to cost you. With a lot of the other custodians, even me being in the business, I have a difficult time trying to figure out exactly what I'm going to pay every year uh, for my custodial services. So other self-directed IRAs charge based on the value of the assets, or how else do they charge instead of a flat fee? Well, I think a lot of them charge based on the value of the assets. Some of them charge like on a a flat fee, but per asset. So every time you buy another asset, there's an additional fee. Um, You just, if someone's interested in in opening up a self-directed IRA, I would strongly encourage them to get online and do their research. And, you know, frankly, there are some custodians that might work better for various investments. So if they know what they're going to invest in, then they can look at a custodian and determine, you know, if the charges would be, you know, what custodian would be best for that particular kind of investment. Yeah. Another thing you can hold in a self-directed IRA are precious metals. Now, in this case, you're talking about physical gold and silver coins or bars. Uh, How do you hold a physical thing like that in a self-directed IRA? Well, what we do, we use a company called Delaware Depository in Delaware. And so if someone wants to buy precious metals, they would go find a metals broker that they want to work with. They would negotiate to purchase the metals. They would then contact us and have them send us an invoice. And then we would pay the precious metals broker, and they would ship the metal to Delaware Depository. And so the, the, the actual physical coins or whatever you bought is sitting in a vault with their name on it in Delaware Depository. And if they ever wanted to go see it, they could contact Delaware Depository and make arrangements to go, you know, see the actual gold or silver. Not very many people do that, but that is a, an opportunity for them if they wanted to. I see. Okay. So the other area is real estate. So how do you buy a physical piece of real estate, a house, an apartment building, and hold that in your self-directed IRA? Well, um, one thing I'd like to direct people to, uh, we have a YouTube channel called SunWest IRA on YouTube, and there are several videos that address that because it's a little, a little more complicated, but basically what they would do is they would go find the piece of property that they want to buy, they would negotiate for the price of it, and then when it got down to the point of, 
of uh, creating a purchase agreement, the purchaser for that piece of real estate would be SunWest Trust as custodian for Jordan Goodman IRA. And that's the way the title to the real estate is held. So uh, are there tax benefits in doing it? I guess if you were renting it out, the rental income would stay in the IRA. Is that the idea? Yeah, yeah. Now, to be perfectly honest with you, that a lot of people don't advocate buying real estate in your IRA simply because real estate has its own tax advantages built in. You know, you can you can write off depreciation and you can write off the interest that you pay and that kind of thing, and you lose those advantages inside the IRA. Um, but you're exactly right. The rental income that comes in from the real estate goes right back into the IRA and grows there tax-free or tax-deferred. Very good. Also in real estate, you can do promissory notes backed by real estate. Uh, so explain what those yeah. are and how that would work. Well, that's a lot. one of the things people don't think about. You know, people might want to be um, involved in real estate, but they don't necessarily want to own the real estate. So with their IRA, they could lend money to people, to, to non-disqualified parties, um, to you know, buy and flip houses. They could lend money to people if they just want to, you know, lend them the money to buy the house for a long period of time, all those kinds of things. And, you know, we talk about a promissory note backed by a piece of real estate where they might have a mortgage securing that note, but you could lend money out of your IRA for, for virtually anything as long as the person you're lending it to is not a disqualified party. Just describe what a disqualified party is. There are certain transactions that are not allowed in self-directed IRAs, what are some of those? Well, so first off, like we said, you can't buy life insurance and collectibles. But then the next thing is you can't do business with these people termed disqualified parties. And the way they're defined is you are a disqualified party to your IRA. So that means you can't sell something to your IRA. You can't buy something from your IRA. But then the other disqualified parties are your fa- the IRS says it's your family, and they define your family as your ascendants and descendants. So, in other words, your parents, grandparents, kids, grandkids, um, those are all disqualified party parties. And then someone who provides services to your IRA is also a disqualified party. So an example of that would be me personally. I own SunWest Trust, so I'm a disqualified party from doing business with someone's IRA at SunWest Trust. So if you avoid doing business with those people, um, then everything, and, and you don't buy a life insurance and collectible, everything else is available. So meaning you could lend money to anyone else out there. You could, you could do all these other things we've talked about, precious metals and all that stuff, as long as you avoid those disqualified parties. Another thing you can put in them are trust deeds and mortgages. How is that different from a promissory note, and why would you put that in a, a self-directed IRA? Well, um, that's not a lot different, except you could buy, I, I know a big part of my career has been in buying uh, trust deeds and a thing called real estate contracts that we have here in New Mexico. So what that means, Jordan, is someone may have sold their property and they decided to act as the bank and just accept monthly payments from their buyer. And so they have the mortgage, the mortgage is in the seller's name, and then they decide you know, down the road that instead of receiving this $1,000 a month payment, I'd rather have a lump sum of cash. So an IRA could offer to purchase the right to receive those $1,000 a month payments for the period of time that that mortgage or trustee is going to last. 
and and make an investment that way. And those kinds of things, that's a that's a whole uh, investment niche in itself that that you could spend a lot of time learning about. But those are bought at discounts, and you can usually get a little higher return, interest rate return, than you would if you just lent money to someone. Another thing are notes secured by equipment and unsecured notes. Those would probably be higher yielding, but more risky. Is that right? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, you know, typically out in the market, um, the return that you get on something is in direct proportion to the risk you're taking. So, um, you know, I would probably just personally, this is not this is not anything that you can't do in an IRA, but I would try to talk people out of. Uh, you know, lending unsecured money out of their IRA simply because, you know, if the buy if the borrower doesn't pay you back, you've got no collateral, you've got nothing to get, um, and nothing to keep them uh, paying you back. So, unsecured notes are something you would probably want to stay away from. Um, although you need to understand, you could do them. I just don't think that would necessarily be a good investment. Another thing are so-called property tax liens. When people do not pay their property tax, the local municipality puts a lien. What would be the advantage of putting that in a self-directed IRA? Well, again, those things, we don't do those in New Mexico, but the closest state to us is Colorado does that. And the way I understand those works is you go out and you and you buy a tax lien, and then they're they're different in every state from what I understand. But you go out and pay the taxes on this property. In effect, you know, in effect, you lend the money to the guy who owns the property. And if after a certain period of time, they don't reimburse you plus interest, then you get the property. So you can see where you might have a huge gain if you were able to buy a piece of property, you know, at a fraction of the, of the value because you're buying it for the tax amount due on it. And then if you ended up getting the property back and were able to sell it, it could be a, a huge gain, which, again, would be tax-deferred or tax-free, uh, depending on what kind of IRA you had it in. Now, inside self-directed IRA, there's something called unrelated business income, or UBIT. Just briefly describe mm-hmm. what that is, and are there ways to avoid running into that? Well, there's a couple of ways that you can run into that. Number one is if you're running a business in your IRA. So I would strongly recommend people not do that um, because, you know, your IRA is a tax-free or tax-deferred entity, and they don't really want you running a business in there and earning income that you don't pay taxes on. So they've come up with this unrelated business income tax idea so that if you are running a business in your IRA, um, there's a form called a 990T that you have to do, and you would have to pay tax on the majority uh, actually, all but a thousand dollars of that income, and you could also run into that unrelated. It's called unrelated debt financed income. Um, people don't realize, but you can borrow money in your IRA. Um, but when you borrow money in your IRA, that triggers this unrelated debt financed income, which creates a tax uh, a tax liability inside the IRA. Those are the only two times that I can think of when you could have uh, a taxable event inside the IRA. Say somebody's been at a company for a long time, they've got a big balance in their 401k in traditional stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Would it make sense for them to roll that over into a self-directed IRA once they're retired? Well, yes, it might, because their options are, depending on what they want to do, and again, you know, the most important thing, Jordan, is for people 
you know, self-directed IRAs are not for everyone. I think it's only for those folks who understand investing and how to invest on their own and what to do with their money. So if you were someone who didn't understand that, didn't understand how to, how to invest your money, how to buy real estate, whatever that might be, you might be better off just leaving it in the 401k with the company you were with. Um, but if you do understand that and you want to get in more involved or more hands-on with your retirement account, then you could roll that into a self-directed IRA and invest in all these things we've talked about. Some people say that the particularly Roth IRAs are so attractive that Congress may eventually take away or severely limit tax-free growth inside the Roth IRA because they're losing so much revenue. Is that something you think mm-hmm. if a revenue-hungry Congress is looking for a place that might ever happen? Well, I, I, you know, you can't ever say never, but I know right now they're, they're encouraging people to convert their traditional accounts to Roth accounts. And the reason I believe they're doing that is because when you convert from a traditional to a Roth, you have to claim that income in the year that you make the conversion. So uh, that was referred to uh, a few years ago uh, as the Rothification of IRA accounts. Um, and it's to me, it was kind of short-sighted because once you convert an account, yeah, they, the IRS or the government would get money today, but then that becomes a tax-free entity and they wouldn't get money you know, down the road. Um, but what I found out later is that the government looks at everything in a 10-year window. So they're not as concerned about what's going to happen 10 years from now as they are right now. Um, so right now they're encouraging people to convert to Roth. Um, but and I, you know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell you that they were going to, you know, con- they were going to do away with those. I think it would be difficult for them to, you know, maybe they could quit allowing you to have Roth. But anything that's in a Roth right now, I think it would be difficult for them to uh, renege on their agreement that that's going to be a tax-free thing. I think they could. One of the things we have heard actually. Uh, because of a few years ago when we all heard about Mitt Romney having such a big Roth account, <clears throat> is there there has been, in previous years, there was some talk about capping the amount of money you could have in, a, in an IRA, and particularly in a Roth. But uh, that talk has gone away in the last couple of years. It could be revived one of these days, but um, it's not, not something they've talked about in the last year or so. So currently, there's no limitation on the amount you can hold in an IRA or uh, self-directed IRA, as far as rollovers, there's a limit to how much you can put in each year. But once you've got Correct. it in there, there's no limit as to how big it can be. Correct. Yeah, so there is a limit of how much you can contribute in a self-directed in any kind of an IRA. And that's $5,500 this year or 6500 if you're over 50 years old. Um, but, yeah, once the money gets in there, so if you were fortunate enough to, to invest your IRA into some – you know, the into Facebook or something, and now it's worth millions of dollars. There is no limit on how much can be inside the IRA. Yeah. Uh, just tell people a little bit what they can find at sunwesttrust.com, which is your website, and a little bit about the book you've done called When All You Have is a Hammer. Yeah, well, I wrote the book. Is um, There are not a lot of books out there that talk about self-directed IRAs. Um, there was one by a guy named Patrick Rice that talked mainly about real estate. So I wrote this book, and the idea behind the the title of it is the fact that a self-directed IRA, like we've been talking about, is just another tool for people to use in their retirement. 
And, you know, you can't, um, in the picture, the, the front cover of the book, it shows a hammer trying to drive in a screw. Well, that's not the right tool for that for that job. And so a self-directed IRA is just another tool that people have uh, if they choose to use it. Um, as far as our website is concerned, our website address is sunwesttrust.com, and there they can find out how to open an account. There's a lot of information. We believe in education. They can get my book for free. Uh, from the website, either on an ebook or we can physically send them the book. And then what I mentioned earlier was our, our YouTube channel, which is SunWest IRA. And on that YouTube channel, I have over 230 videos uh, that talk about various types of investment, various ways to invest, and just uh, questions that we've gotten over the years about self-directed IRAs. So it's a, it's a huge resource for someone who's interested in that. In summing up, we have about two minutes to go. Just what is the advantage of doing a self-directed IRA compared to traditional IRAs? Well, again, I think the advantage is for those people who want to do the work, who want to take a little more hands-on approach to their IRA, it gives them an opportunity to, to invest in something that I personally feel could be a little bit more tangible than a, than a stock bond mutual fund. It also, um, there's opportunities that they could increase their yield. If they know how to invest and they understand things that they can invest in and, and how to um, maximize their returns from those investments, they might be able to use a self-directed IRA to, uh, to get a much greater return than they might have just by leaving it in the market in mutual funds or something. The other thing that I think is overlooked quite often because we hear about diversification and, you know, your stockbrokers and stuff, nothing against them, but they will tell you, you know, the best way to diversify is a mutual fund or something like that. So you're in several different companies. But again, even in that case, you're still in the equities market. So if the equities market goes up, your values are going to go up. If it goes down, your values are going to go down. So it might make sense for someone to have some money in the equities market, but also have some money in a piece of real estate or in some precious metals, something like that. The other things we talked about. Very good. Well, thanks so yeah. much. My guest this, this half hour has been Terry White, president and CEO of SunWest Trust. You can find out more at his website, sunwesttrust.com, and also get a free copy of his book called When All You Have is a Hammer, an informational guide to self-directed IRAs. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Terry. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.